0: Hello, and a big welcome to the man who I'm a little starstruck by right now, I have to tell you, but he's made me feel <laughs> that he's in our, in our pre-record conversation, Lawrence Lepard, commonly known as Larry Lepard, Welcome aboard to Bitcoin People.
1: Thank you very much. Nice to be here, Carrie. I, the whole notion of you being starstruck is kind of odd to me because <laughs> I'm just a regular guy, kind of a squirrel looking for a nut, you know? <laughs>
0: Uh, but to me, you're Brad Pitt. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, um, I got to
1: tell my wife that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I even want to tell you that I dressed up just for you. But I'm actually, um, I, I'm I'm actually shooting out. Dare I say, to a client meeting afterwards. So uh, I'm yeah, just up more than usual. Uh, Larry, you are very well known, not just in the Bitcoin community, but you do a lot of mainstream media. You're known as a gold guy, a sound money guy. How did you come to be that? Who is the real Larry Lapard? How did you end up being you?
1: Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of background, maybe give you some clues. Um, I was raised in the Midwestern part of the United States in Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, uh, One side of my family, my grandfather and grandmother and my father's side of my family were very deeply religious. She was Mennonite, um, very, very spiritual person. Uh, And I, I really admired her and kind of picked up that spiritual side of her life um and
0: I uh, I, I hate to interrupt but can you just explain a little bit about Mennonite
1: yeah it's uh it was kind of an offshoot of of the Quaker movement um you know there's the the Quakers came through Pennsylvania and the Mennonites were part of the Quakers um it was like a a spin-off of it all and they were very very kind of fundamentalist you know religious uh group um and they still kind of exist. They got absorbed into some of the other churches as well. But um, it was basically Christian, but, um, you know, with a with a pretty hardcore view on on kind of right and wrong. Um, and, um, you know, so I, I grew up in the Midwest and uh, I was in a small business family. My parents, uh, my father and his father had retailing operations uh, in the area. Um, so they were kind of shopkeepers, really.
0: Uh, okay. What kind of retail? What kind of Well, the
1: biggest, I mean, a a bunch of different things, but probably the most notable one was furniture. Uh, They had kind of a couple of the leading furniture stores. And so, uh, which had grown out of my great, 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 great grandfather's working in a furniture mill in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where, you know, he was making, um, you know, hardwood furniture because originally a lot of the hardwood furniture came from Michigan before a lot of the trees went away and now moved to the Carolinas. But, um, and then he figured out that uh, people in the Eastern part of the state needed this furniture. And so he put a bunch of it on a trailer. This was 1800s drove it over to the Eastern part of the state and sold it rather than letting the company who was making it, put it on a train and sell it out East. And uh, And then he was smart enough to realize that Ann Arbor, the university of Michigan had just been established. And he was smart enough to realize that, you know, going to college was something that was going to continue and grow. And so he went to Ann Arbor and he bought a house and he started selling furniture out of his house. And that ultimately became a furniture business. And, you know, the leading furniture store in Ann Arbor is 40,000 square feet. And and he really benefited. And and then, of course, he was smart enough with all the money he would make, he would buy the land right around the university um, because he could see that the university was going to (laughs) grow. And then the university would come and say, we need that land. And they'd pay him a lot more than he bought it for. So he was kind of a smart old guy. And, um, you know, that, that was kind of my family background. And and we were we were kind of dime store millionaires because, you know, having some retail furniture businesses in Ann Arbor is no great shakes when you compare it to the big money center banks and, you know, all the people that are doing huge industry. But but by Ann Arbor standards, we were extremely comfortable. You know, we weren't we weren't missing any meals and uh, we were kind of considered to be, um, you know, solid upper middle class family. So, um, you know, I was I was very lucky to grow up in that environment and grow up learning the lessons of my father, and my grandfather. Um and I went to college, I went to high school, and you know, was into sports, uh, particularly running and swimming. I was better on cardio than I was on getting hit. I played football for one year. I didn't like getting hit. <laughs> and then um, uh, I um, uh, went off to college and uh, studied economics. Um, I was thinking of going to engine school because I really like tearing things apart. I mean, if you kind of look at who I am, I think my highest and best use is analyzing stuff. I, l- I like to figure out how things work. I mean, I was the I was the kid who took apart the lawnmower. figure out why it worked the way it did and or the car or anything else and um and so i you know thought about being an engineer but thought nah i i probably should get a a higher degree uh, beyond engineering so i went to liberal arts school uh and then i went to my father i said hey you know i'm going to come back and help you sell furniture and run these retail operations you've got and he said no you're not (laughs) and i said why not and he said because you're too smart to do this i said well i don't know about that and he said if if i were your age this was uh, the '71 when I went to was going going into high school. '75 I got out of high school. He said, "If I were your age, I'd get involved with computers." Um, you know, the microchip had just been invented. Intel was just starting to come around. He gave me a book on computers and and so forth, Micro Millennium, and uh, and that stuck with me. And I was kind of like, you know what? Uh, he said, "He said, look, Larry, every industry grows and then it dies." I mean, you have to remember at the time it was interesting because Ann Arbor and Detroit was kind of like the Silicon Valley of its day. I mean, post-World War II, you know, the entire world was in shambles and you know, there were no computers or microchips. And between 1946 and you know, 1975, uh, Detroit basically put the entire country on wheels and gave everybody two cars. And so kind of a lot of the richest people and a lot of the biggest industry was in the Detroit area. And we benefited from that. I mean, I had the president of Ford Motor Company live down the street from me and all the kids who parents were execs in all the auto companies, you know, lived in Ann Arbor and Dearborn and the nearby towns. And so so it was really a positive and great place to live. And, and by the way, Detroit, it also helped to win World War II. I mean, they created, you know, the the Willow Run bomber factory, which is a couple of miles from my house. You know, they were putting out a, a, a bomber, a B-24 bomber every hour by the end of the war. And so great book on this called The Arsenal of Democracy it talks about how basically Detroit, helped you know america win world war ii i mean it, it created they built more shit in less time than had ever been done in history so it was a really fun and great place to grow up um, but I, I went off to school and uh, i realized i wanted to get involved in something that was technical and then involved anal- analysis because that's what i enjoyed doing and that led me into finance and so i went to wall street after college and i worked in uh, the m&a department of wall street investment bank and i saw what that was all about and i was I was kind of appalled by the ethics, to be frank.
0: I was going <laughs> to ask exactly that. Yeah,
1: but 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 all, all the same, I, I thought that, you know, investing in companies and stocks and all of that was extremely interesting to me. So I applied and I got into Harvard Business School. I went there and I really, I'd read some articles on Warren Buffett and I'd focused on investing and I focused on the fact that investing involved analysis, which I loved doing, just loved doing do it, doing my spare time. I thought, you know what, I'm going to be a great investor. That's what I want to be. Um, and, and I mapped that against the, fa- what my father had told me, which is get into computers. And I, I got into the, um, the venture capital business because venture capitalists, and there were very few of them back then. And, you know, there was Kleiner Perkins and Greylock and a few others. I wrote them all. I wrote 400 letters to venture capitalists, 399 turndowns. I got one job at a bank in Chicago, which is where I started out as a Continental Illinois bank, the bank failed. And then I went and got a job with another group that remembered me from the letter campaign. But these venture capital guys were investing in technology and you could see what technology was doing. The IBM PC was introduced in 1981. And in my second year at Harvard Business School, Mitch uh, Kapoor came over and he had an Apple II and he had um, Lotus one, two, three on it. And he said, this is a spreadsheet. I just put these numbers in these cells and I hit the sum button and they add up. And I was just blown away because I just spent two years down on Wall Street writing out numbers on green legal pads taking them to a statistical typist, then taking them to a print shop, then having them reduced in size and printed up so that I could make a blue book so that the partner could go hop on his Learjet and fly to the corporate headquarters and make a presentation. So, um, so anyway, I got in the venture business, and I did that for a long time. I did that from 1983 until ni- 2003 with two different companies. Um, one, Summit Partners. I was partner number four there. It went on to become worth well, – it went on to become – I made them a lot of money. I didn't see much of it, and that's the kind of people they were. I left after seven years because of their ethics. I just couldn't, I couldn't bear being there. And guys I hired, you know, have, um, you know, enormous net worths, hundreds of millions of dollars in net worth. But um, I thought the business was a fraudulent business model. They were taking advantage of the investors in a huge way. Mm. And so I went to another venture firm, which uh, was much smaller. And we did extremely well. We had a fund where we took about $30 million and turned it into 150. And that was mostly with technology companies. And the better part of that was when we got... We caught up with the, with the internet thing in 1993, uh, I was at a meeting and I, I, a guy said, well, I'll send that, send that data to me on my internet address. I said, what's an internet address? He said, well, it's this thing on CompuServe, it's dial up and, um, you know, it's thing you have Novell, right? And I said, yeah, we have Novell, which was e- email, inside an office. Young people won't know what this is, but, uh, I said, yeah, we have that. Said, Imagine if you had Novell for the entire world, you could send email to anywhere in the world instantly. I was like, "Oh, that's friggin' powerful. So I went back to my office. I had a bunch of kids working for me. I said, "We've got to find every single company we can in the internet and invest in it." First of all, I said, "We got to find out where the internet is." And that, of course, <laughs> that just shows how stupid I was. I didn't. I didn't. You know, said, there must be an internet building somewhere hanging out, right? And of course, there wasn't. And and then I, oh, okay, I get it. It's it's a protocol. It's got all these computers talking to one another. We got a copy serve address. Blah blah blah. So so I went and I bought every single internet company that was private that I could between 1993 and 95 we had the first public internet offering in in 1995 before Netscape even with Netcom which was an internet service provider and what they were doing was they were doing the dial up model where you know you plug a phone into a modem again a lot of young people this won't remember that but the internet was in the early days extremely clunky as as uh, those of us who were there know but we made a ton of money in that in that run and um, betting on good small companies that got very big and we also made some mistakes by the end of it you know 1999 2000 it was really nutty because of all the bailouts they'd done in, in, with LTCM in 1998. And we had a, a group of people came to us and said, you know, your last fund did so well, we want to give you $400 million for your next fund. The only condition is that you've got to invest it in the internet. And my partner and I looked at each other and we said, you know, that's a stupid idea because it's way overvalued right now. We know it's going to continue, but we can't see what the next leg of it all is. And yeah. so we we said, well, we're not comfortable taking that $400 million, which, you know, no venture capitalist ever turned down a fund, but we did. And we were helped by the fact that we had two guys working for us who were Harvard Business School grads. They'd been with us two years and they they looked at my partner and I and they said, yeah, you know, we've been here a couple of years now and you guys really are kind of fossils. You don't know what you're doing. If you're going to raise this next fund, we're not going to hang around unless you give us over half the fund. And my partner and I, we looked at each other and we said, "Uh, really? Okay, we're not going to raise the fund. Here's the $400 million back and you guys are fired. So So we, you know, we. So I, I've, I've been somewhat unconventional and, you know, I, I left a lot of money on the table there, but but I didn't care because it was the right thing to do. So um, so I retired in 2003 and uh, my family wanted to be back in the Boston area. I was in the New York area at the time and living in New Jersey and working in Fort Lee. I wanted to be back in the Boston area. So we um, we moved back up to Boston and I started managing my own money and the numbers were big enough that, you know, if I was somewhat intelligent, I should be able to, I should have been able to take that capital and stretch it out for the rest of my life. Um, however, uh, in 2008, the great financial crisis hit and mm-hmm. and Ben Bernanke tested his theory of not allowing deflation to occur and took the Fed balance sheet from 800 billion to 4, four trillion, you know, over the of space of two or three years. And, and at that point in time, I realized it hit me like a ton of bricks that they were going to destroy the currency. And that even though I had X million dollars, that wasn't going to be enough to allow me to make it to my planned target of a hundred years old in financial comfort, and I'd also kind of during that time frame watched my father's relatively, you know, modest but but significant net worth decrease in purchasing power as a result of all the inflation. So,
0: so mm. what I did was
1: I pivoted, and I um I um went into the sound money trade, and I'd always been a sound money advocate. My grandfather was a gold bug. I'd read all the Austrians. I. I got a D in in macro in college from a guy who was a you know a Keynesian, and he and I used to argue a great deal. <laughs> uh, and it was the only bad; it was like the only bad grade I got in college. It really pissed me off, kind of ruined my. I would have had like a perfect 4.0 in econ, but anyway. Um, so uh, you know, I, I basically pivoted and and went into what at the time was the only form of sound money that I was aware of, although Bitcoin had just been invented. I wasn't aware of it, and that is gold and, and gold and silver miners, and so. I, I found a guy who was doing a good job in that area. I gave him some money. He taught me the business. He's a neat old school guy named Walter Cabot, He's part of the Cabot Lodge family up here in Boston. And uh, and we went out and we started picking gold miners. And I've been doing that ever since. And um, you know they work extremely well during certain periods of time. They don't work well when the price of gold is falling. And I discovered that from 2011 to 2015. Um, and mm. you know it was it was a blessing in disguise because you know, I was fat and dumb and lazy. And and I I realized that if I didn't get my ass in shape, I wasn't going to make it to 95. So I I did a lot of research on how to get in shape. And that led me into CrossFit. And I dropped 30 pounds. And um, now I'm kind of an exercise freak. So um, all for the good, though, because I want want to be around for a long time.
0: (laughs) I thought you'd been a runner most of your life.
1: Well, I had been, but I let it go. You know, I mean, I did it in high school and college. And it's just, it's too easy to let it go. And long, slow cardio actually is not as good a solution as HIIT training for, for staying really, really in good shape. So, you know, and and this all mapped against my, you know, grandmother's, you know, Mennonite religious views of kind of, you know, the power structure and the unfairness of the world as a result of the people in New York and Washington pulling all the strings, Mm -hmm. you know, and she was always very skeptical of, you know, me going to Harvard and she just she had a she had an inherent sense that the people in a lot of the positions of power in the country were abusing that power even you know back in that day I mean as an example you know Roosevelt grabbed all the gold in 33 and I'm pretty sure I've never asked my grandfather I wish I had before he passed but I'm pretty sure he did not comply with that demand but good you know, for him yeah but the but but think about it at the time I mean that was a pretty serious thing I mean basically the government just said, we're going to grab your wealth, Yep. you know, and, um, you know, what's, what's that all about? So, um, so I've really been an advocate for sound money um, throughout my whole career, but I guess radicalized since 08. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, to me, it's not just about the money and the profits. In fact, it's, it's very little about the money and the profits. It's very much about honesty, fairness, and a level playing field. Um, And, uh, you know, what, what, what really, frustrates me and angers me and and causes me to be in this fight is the notion that you know some people who are quite wealthy and i don't begrudge them their wealth if it have been honestly earned but um some people who are quite wealthy and quite powerful have really tipped the the playing field in their favor and against the average common working person and it has caused just enormous enormous pain to generations of people in this country um, you know, the, the Midwest being hollowed out with all the opioids, the way that all this stuff went offshore, um, you know, just, I mean, the, the damage it did to my grandfather's business. I mean, my grandfather, grandmother on her deathbed, you know, was having the, those kind of delirium tremors when you're dying. And she was saying, they don't have any debt. They don't have any debt. And that's because from 1930 to 1939, my grandmother and grandfather basically, you know, walked their proceeds down to the banker and begged the bank not to foreclose on their business. And that was all because in 28, you know, he expanded it because the economy was booming and that's what the signal said to do, right? And that was all because of what the Federal Reserve did. And they created so much money and created an enormous boom. And then they did the rug pull. And um, so, and, and you know, think of the people that were damaged to that. Think of the people who were damaged in 08, all the people who lost mm. their houses. I mean, my sister lost her house in 08. You know, this 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 constant mismanagement of the money and the money supply and and the dishonest, you know, system that we've got has just caused enormous, enormous pain to, you know, people throughout this country and throughout the world. And it's got to stop. And, you know, thankfully, I mean, I I believe it's somewhat God given um, that, you know, that Bitcoin comes along because it's, as von Mises said, you know, it's creeping up on them and they can't stop it. And, And... you know they may they want to stop it. They're going to try and stop it, but they're not going to succeed. And so, um, you know, I, I'm I'm extremely optimistic and hopeful that the system will be repaired by something that all we have to do is sit back and you know what we should do is push it as hard as we can. But but really, truly beyond that, it's kind of inevitable. You know, it, it, it's going to happen because the signal of Bitcoin is just so strong, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. And so as a result of that, um, it's going to destroy fiat currency and fiat currency has enriched the few, you know, the cantillionaires at the top at the expense of the many. Um, and, and, and now, now a lot of people can see it. I mean, I, I could see this 20 years ago, but I was just a crazy gold bug, you know, and, and now, you know, now Saifedean wrote his book and I got 30 year olds who are talking to me about Rothbard and von Mises, And I'm like, this is great. You know, because that generation is going to be the generation that's going to set it right. I mean, you know, these old guys are, you know, these old guys who've got the controls, control levers right now, they're going to be gone. You know, Mm -hmm. they're going to be gone. And, 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 you know, I know my kids and, and all the other millennials out there, they're not going to put up with this shit anymore. And they shouldn't, they don't have to, you know, they, they, they're going to burn the system down and we're going to establish a new fairer system and, 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 and we need it. We badly, badly need it. So. That's it's kind of a long-winded answer, but you know, it <laughs> <you got me laughs> started, so I just figured I'd keep rolling.
0: <laughs> and I did <laughs> ask for your life story, so yeah. uh, uh, I'm really pleased. You know what strikes me as I listen to you is how perfect you are for the role that you're in right now, uh, yeah. in terms of spreading this message to the world. The background of the and I see this a few. I've seen this a few times in the Bitcoin space people who for whatever reason your combination of the religious upbringing that you had and the values that came out of that the retail seeing it from the uh, real person small business small to mediums probably a largest business end of things to move through to see the decentralization of internet right from the beginning and the power of the internet and understanding there is no central office head office of the right. internet you know, each of these pieces for me, then that kind of the crisis of 2008, moving towards hard money, moving towards gold. So that need for kind of that bringing together of values, of sound money, of decentralization, of um, uh. there's something else going on for me in this. Um, anyway, I've lost it. There was another idea that fed into it. And. It's like everything in your life has been leading to this moment to help you not only be the person you are now, but to be the representative for Bitcoin that you are. In many ways, you are one of the kind of leading voices in this space, and well, it's almost. you kind of if- say
1: that. I don't. I think there are a lot of others who do a much better job than I do. But I, but I do have to say, it does. You know, I, I do feel like I'm kind of enjoying my 15 minutes, and and there were many, many years of wandering around in the wilderness. Yeah. You, you know, mean i mean in in 2015 when my gold portfolio was down massively and um you know i I, um you know i was out of shape and everything else i was just like you know i was i was pretty despondent to be frank and i just thought well you know you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and uh and i never you know I, i kind of again it's it's the faith that allowed me to never really waver from the underlying belief that that the thoughts i had were correct um and so So I just kind of stuck with it. And uh, um, yeah, it's um, and and I think, you know, the role maybe I play in the Bitcoin revolution is that and people criticize me for still hanging on to gold. You know, there there can only be one and just, you know, why get rid of this? Why hang on to this inferior thing? And I'm like, well, hang on a second. Gold got us here. Gold is less volatile. Gold's appropriate for certain people. And I view my role as as actually helping gold bugs to understand Bitcoin because they really generally understand the monetary issues they're just afraid that Bitcoin is, you know, Sam Bankman free. And it's not. But, you know, I, I've had a lot of people, a lot of gold people, you know, their their initial reaction, if you looked at crypto, you looked at how the people were pumping it and all the hoopla, you know, it's it's easy to kind of go, oh, that's all bullshit. You know, now there was some real solid signal that you know, I know, Jeff knows, Greg knows, you know, and, and it really, I always say it, it's a technological innovation. And that's the important thing. That's And that, that's what helped me to see it. I mean, I you know, I, I recall all the FUD surrounding the Internet, too. And I thought, no, 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 this is going to change the world. I mean, this is really going to change the world. And, and, and I, I feel like Bitcoin's the Internet 2.0. 2. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. all right. So we got decentralization. We hit peak centralization with World War Two. In fact, it's ironic that I grew up in Detroit, which is kind of the headquarters of peak centralization, because World War Two is the last fourth turning. We killed 50 million people in World War Two, 50 yeah. million people. I mean, we got really good at centralized countries throwing their shit at each other killing people and um you know and thankfully you know the, the microchip came along then the internet came along and now bitcoin has come along and we're, we're we're solidly heading in the decentralized direction and my view is we can't get there fast enough right um, yep. we've got to get, we've got to get there before one of these psychopaths hits the nuclear button you know and, and destroys destroys us all and and the good news is i think you know i'm an optimist i think we will i mean you know some of my friends say well you're naive and and perhaps but i think I think there's a certain amount of naivete or optimism that's important for all humans to carry because otherwise what's the point right mm-hmm. and and we have marched through all these centuries we've made it this far you know and, and and our job i think everyone's job is just to try and advance things in the right direction as much as they can within their time frame you know for their own kids i mean greg you know good friend of mine greg fosso he says it's for the kids i totally agree mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, the money is just like it's like it's like who cares i just I want to see the right people win and I want to see the wrong people lose. And yeah. um, we, we can go there if you like, because there are a lot of wrong people. There's <laughs> a lot of I wrong know, people. I know you agree with me on who some of them are.
0: <laughs> so, uh, I'm happy to let loose. <laughs> so let me formulate a question around that, because I'm with you. I, uh, 100%. Um, and are they, you talked about the psychopaths, are, are they evil? Are they psychopaths? Are they deluded? Are they simply a product of their system and their own upbringings? Are they caught in a trap that they that's a function of money printing since 1971 that they can't get out of?
1: All of the above. What's going and, on? And all the above, and you know, I guess it, it depends on you know, various people, various situations. I mean, yeah. you know, they they certainly. Look, they're, they're, generally speaking, um, very self-interested. And, you know, the 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 ethos of the U.S. in my lifetime has been, you know, the, the way you win here is you make the most money, right? The yeah. way, you know, that, that's been the, I don't know what it's been in your country, but I think probably Not less
0: strong so. Life. Not as strong yeah, I, yeah, I mean,
1: I grew up in an ethos of the American dream was you just get as rich as you possibly can. And yeah. if you do that, you're winning. And um, you know, I went to Harvard Business School, and I remember an old professor there said, you know, something along the lines of, you know, if if you're not, if you're not, um, you know, an an honest business with an honest profit, where everyone benefits, is really what the model of businesses ought to be, because you've got, you know, there's it's a it's a circle. There's a circle of life. You've got your customers. You don't want to screw them. You've got your employees. You don't want to screw them. You got your vendors, you don't want to screw them. I mean, this isn't this is isn't just a big scrum for money. And I think, sadly, um, a lot of traditional values just kind of have gotten swept under the rug in, in the U.S. scrum for money post-World War II. And a lot of, you know, there were a lot of great traditions. I mean, if you kind of look at how the U.S. became the leading country, I mean, our founding documents are really, to this day, I think, still absolutely fabulous probably the best set of government documents ever written um Mm. although it's funny i was in switzerland i was with egon von greer and i pointed that out to him he he was he's quite cynical he's swiss and german and he said i pointed that out to him and he he said in response yeah but you got to remember like yeah those guys were great and they wrote those founding documents but that was right before they committed genocide on the indians and i said you know you got a point i mean yeah yeah yeah. I, i admire andrew jackson greatly and yet you know not what he did to the cherokee tribe so I mean, there's, look. There's good and evil in all human beings, and and you know, at, at any point in time, we're we're always fighting against our, our lesser natures. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, the uh, uh, the documents that set up this country and the principles upon which this country were built were very powerful and created a lot of progress and wealth. Admittedly, with a lot of problems, you know, obviously the slave issue, et cetera, But you know, they created more wealth for more people in less time than, than almost any other period in history that I can think of. And so, um, you know, the problem is that like so many things, I mean, success, you know, led to complacency and, um, you know, we, we somehow along the line, uh, we, you know, we, we allowed a central bank to creep into the picture, you know, and then we, um, Mm. which was kind of a mistake, um, you know, and then we allowed, um, you know, the, the, Um, You know, post-World War II, we made a lot of mistakes. We won the war, which was great, but, you know, we allowed the military-industrial complex to get control of things, as Eisenhower warned us against, and then they murdered Kennedy, um, both Kennedys, and, uh, you know, then things really started going the wrong way fast. And, uh, you know, the banksters got control of the money, and, um, you know, slowly but surely, they took down all the prohibitions against doing bad stuff, including Glass-Steagall, et cetera, and all the people who did that became fabulously wealthy fabulously wealthy as a result of playing these cycles of inflation and deflation and and the the inflation and the deflation every single every single one of those cycles hurt the common person every single one of them yeah and yet the wealthy people knew exactly how to play them and that's how they became wealthier and so you know had there been sound money throughout this entire time frame um you know ron paul says that the century the 20th century was the century of total war was also a century of central banking and unsound money yeah you know i mean if, if you have sound money it's a lot harder to pay for war you know no one no one wants to pay for it and you know i don't want to kill any chinese but if the chinese invade taiwan are they going to ask my sons to get involved i mean i sure hope not you know yeah. and uh you know i mean i you know i look at i mean america murdered three million vietnamese people you know all yeah. because henry kissinger got a heart on i mean it's like you know what the fuck I yeah. mean, you know they're there are things that my country has done that I'm just, you know, vastly ashamed of. I mean, I didn't do them, but I'm an American. And, I, you know, I, as, a, as a contributor to our political system, you know, I feel like I have to stand up and say when I see something that's wrong, um, you know, I feel like it's incumbent upon me to say that it's wrong, even if that's uncomfortable to be said, and even if the powers that be don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so... And I think, it, sadly, I think, you know, the, not all Americans feel that way. A lot of people just kind of go along. And and frankly, a lot of people are just struggling to put food on the table and raise their family. And I get it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've been economically successful enough that I can think about other shit rather yeah. than just put food on the table. Um, but, I, you know, it, it feels to me like given that success, you know, it, it's incumbent upon me to try to advocate for policies and directions that would make, you know, the world a better place for, for all parties involved.
0: So you said before that you think the next generation is going to burn it all down. Uh, I do. I want to, I, I have a slightly different view on that. I've got a couple of questions coming out on this because I see a lot of um, hyper woke in the next generation as well. Oh yeah, Who only care about climate aren't interested in reading any actual facts about it. And I, and it's not to say that we shouldn't be doing the right thing by the earth and the planet, of course, but I don't see, I see some people in this space really getting it and going, but who wants to, who wants to read Mises and, and Australian economics when you could just virtue signal on Twitter and get all the likes?
1: <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, look, in every generation, there's there's good and bad, and I don't disagree that there's there are a lot of people who you know who are not thinking critically, mm. um, and that's and that's somewhat of a risk, um, you know. And there there are people who have clearly socialist and Marxist views, you know, among this generation, and I think that's problematic as well. I mean, yeah. I think the thing that's the saddest about what's happened is that so many of those people are angry about capitalism. We don't really have capitalism. We yes. have crony. We have crony capitalism. And capitalism yeah. actually is fair and works quite well, you know, when when the tables are when the tables not tilted. Um, and so, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I look at a guy like Bernie Sanders and, and you know, I don't agree with him on many things, but on some of them, I actually do agree. I mean, he yeah. understands how how broken and how tilted the system is. I mean, you know, look, I I hope and I pray that what ultimately comes out of all this is a recognition by all people that the government, in my opinion, the, the, back to first principles, the, the, the role of government insofar as there is one should be to establish rules and laws and fairness and enforce them through courts and, and police. And that's it, mm-hmm. I, I mean, full, full stop, that's all. You just you just wanna have a level playing field with a fair game um, for all parties involved. Um, yeah. In the olden days, it used to be to defend your country against invading tribes. But I, I kind of think, I'm, I'm praying, hoping and praying that enough people have seen and read the history to understand just how painful and awful war is mm. we're not going to go back to one of those invading tribe times and we have these little proxy wars like ukraine not little but we have proxy mm. wars. but but you know in a way you know mutually assured destruction and the nuclear bomb has kind of i think informed everybody that if we go there it's all over mm-hmm. and so you know, i can foresee i would imagine in my kids and grandkids lifetime that there will be laws you know we, everyone will disarm and there will be laws against building nuclear weapons anyone who tries to build a nuclear weapon will be put to death or or put in jail for life that just will just kind of eliminate them because yeah. they'll be that big a threat to to humanity and so um you know it, it's it's um you know but but you're right i mean there's the, and and you know i mean on, on the on the negative ledger of what's going on yeah. you know if if we get bad leadership i mean you know, I never, I never fully appreciated and understood. You know, how could a guy take a country full of educated and intelligent people and convince them that the Jews were the problem and therefore they had to murder them all? You know, a mass psychosis of of, of Nazi yeah. Germany. I never really fully understood it until I watched what happened with COVID, <laughs> and 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 I watched the response, and I and I, and it's like it's like now I get it. Yeah. And, and this is why this is why leadership matters. Mm -hmm. Um, It matters a lot because without good leadership, you can, you can be, you know, mankind has proven that we can be taken down very bad paths. Um, Again, though, you know, I, I dream of a day where the monetary system as it now exists fails and where the Bitcoin people in the sound money system are the richest people in the world. Because frankly, if I had to just pick people randomly to govern me, I want sound money and Bitcoin people running the government because I know that they share the same values that I share. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, perhaps being naive, I, I think that um, I think that God has sent Bitcoin to us in 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 an effort to wipe the slate clean and give us a restart. And so, and I think that's what's going to happen. I really do. I this is a fourth turning. We haven't talked about this, yeah. you know. You yeah, know the yeah. Model, but, and they tend to last twenty years. This one started in '08, so you know, I, I think there's going to be a monetary. There's going to be a big monetary event in the next ten years. I, I really believe that. I think possibly sooner. And by yeah. big monetary event, I mean like massive inflation or massive devaluation of currencies as we now know them. And I don't know what the response of the government people, governments will be, but I think ultimately, you know, we'll probably try some wrong things before we come to the right one, which is to say we'll, we'll reset to a sound monetary standard. And while hyperinflation is a horrible thing to go through, as any country who's gone through it will tell you. The one thing I take comfort in having read all the histories of these countries is that once you reset to a sound money standard, things get better really quickly. So in other words, the, the, if you kind of look at, you know, and this is why in my Twitter byline, I say fix the money, fix the world. If you kind of look at what's broken in the world today, I mean, you, you know, we've got red, blue over here. We've got all kinds of people screaming at each other, doing all this woke bullshit. and And that's, you know, they're all they're all arguing over deck chairs on the Titanic. They don't realize that the iceberg is the money, you know, and the money is broken. And so once we fix the money, I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised with how, how self-organized it all becomes, you know, and how, when, when young people have a future and they know that they can earn a fair wage and that they can therefore afford to buy a house because housing prices are getting jammed up by BlackRock who can buy houses cheap because they have 0% cash to capital. When, when, When it all becomes fair. They're not going to be arguing over wokeness or genders or any of that crap. It's everyone's just going to get to work and go, oh, yeah, I get it. Okay. You know, if I do my job and do this, my life is going to be really good. All of these, all of this complaining and bitching and distractions and, and arguing and fighting that we see going on. It's all because people feel like they they have no way out. They have no hope. And so they're, and, and they're, they're arguing and fighting about the wrong shit and what they, what they got to yeah. do. they got to go back to the core principle and say if we build sound money it's as jeff booth says you know you can't fix a broken system from within that broken system you got to throw the broken system out and come back with a sound new system that is correct that 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 actually models the way the world should work and the keynesians basically broke the world i mean lord keynes was a really evil guy i mean not only was he a pedophile but he was just he was just an arrogant stupid fuck i mean he was actually highly intelligent but but he was he was stupid in the sense that what he wanted to do was, you know, feather his own nest in terms yeah. of government power. And there's nothing that gives governments more power than, than the Keynesian philosophy of growth at any cost, because the governments control the money and they control the situation, they control the economics. And, you know, if we go back to sound money, the government power just shrinks way, 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 way down because, you know, people will say, hey, we're not giving you that power to to play with the currency anymore. You know we've got it we can save we can save for our future so
0: um do you think people get it do you think jamie <laughs> diamond is as as clueless as he appears to be oh yeah, yeah no, he's, he's
1: he's clueless i mean look he, he's a contillionaire he benefits i mean he became a billionaire by getting his stock options reset at the bottom of 2008 when he absolutely knew the government was going to bail him out and um you know they 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 gave him an enormous set of stock options in J.P. Morgan. And, you know, then they a year later, J.P. Morgan was paying record bonuses. I mean, this is the way they do it, Kerry. They, you know, they 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 take care of their own. And, um, you know, I mean, he hates Bitcoin because he realizes what it is. It's honest. It's an honest system as opposed to he wants blockchain. He wants blockchain that they can control. I mean, the notion, you know, the... I mean, the people who hate Bitcoin like tend wanting to be,
0: internet that they, they can control, which they yeah. just about do. Yeah,
1: well, that's right. That's exactly right. They don't like the internet either. yeah, you know and 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 by the way, they don't even like you know certain broadcasters. I mean, you know, you just saw Tucker Carlson, who was speaking some yep. truth, gets thrown out. And uh, you know, it's probably only a matter of time till they try and silence Joe Rogan and others. But the the good news is that there are workarounds to all of this and and they are losing. I mean, in in my view, they are losing um but sadly it's it's not fast enough for my taste i mean (laughs) i'd like to see them lose tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) they they deserve to lose tomorrow right and uh yeah they will
0: except that it's going to be a painful uh process for everybody absolutely Um, absolutely but you know but but, but it's it's it's, breaking down people say
1: it's it's going to be painful but you know is it any more painful than than right now i mean you see you know you see suicides you see drug deaths you see I mean, have you been to, have you seen the pictures of some of the American cities? I mean, you've seen what San Francisco looks like today. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, this is not the country I grew up in. I mean, this is, it's, this just is not, and, and it's just, it's, it's just grossly unfair. It really is. And, um, you know, the, the, um, you know, people, a lot of people here live lives of quiet desperation and what they should realize is that there's, there's an exit path. Um, and that is to, to to you know, save in terms of sound money and then advocate for sound money. And yeah. we will, you know, that's, if you want to drain the swamp, that's how you do it. You know, you don't vote for orange man, you know. Yeah, um,
0: yeah indeed. Um, and it's very much a ground up thing. I mean, this is the thing. We, it will not, it cannot happen top down. As you just quoted, no. Ruth, the system is not going to fix itself from within the no. system. Nobody no. within the system, nobody who's, benefiting from the system, is going to even want to try. They can't even talk about this stuff because in a world that that supports seven-second sound grabs in mainstream media, they can't start to have a conversation about sound money. Nobody is willing to, or very few people are willing to kind of really explore that and take it on board. So it's got to be a ground-up. It's got to be a ground-up movement. And it's got to be a parallel movement to begin with, a parallel system.
1: That's exactly um, that, right.
0: That gains traction quietly beneath the surface.
1: That's exactly right. And, yeah. and and that's what's going on. I mean, that's what's happening. And and like I say, it's it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's gonna, you know, I mean, I think on the on the bright side, I, I see it happening, you know, within five years. I mean, we're we're making a lot of progress here. Yeah. I, I don't know if I don't know if we're gonna have complete fiat collapse within five years, but yeah. I'll bet that I think the next five years are gonna be really, really meaningful and important. I mean. Look, it's happening daily here in the United States. I mean, First Republic Bank—what was it down today? I mean, it, you know, these these things are just—you know—these um, things are getting killed. And uh, you know, Janet Yellen says the bank right. Yeah, First Republic Bank was down another thirty percent today. So, uh, right. And uh, you know, they—they—they're they, having a hard time sticking their fingers in all the holes in the in the dam, and they they keep springing mm-hmm. leaks. And yeah. um, you know, all it really takes. For our side to win is for more and more people to come to believe that the other side is just corrupt and untrustworthy. And yeah. literally by the day, you see more and more signs of that. And I mean, you, you you take a poll in the United States, how many of you trust the government? I mean, it's like 10%. I mean, it's yeah. like nobody does. So, how how do we have a representative democracy where 90% of the population doesn't trust it? Yeah. I mean, this is this is a this is tinder for a revolution. And you know and it's coming i mean you can just you can just feel that it's coming and i think hopefully the better nature of this younger crowd you know the marty bents and the jack Mahlers of the world will you know will 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 rise above you know kind of the the social justice warriors the aocs and um you know and i think that i think that they will be listened to and um you know, it, it'll be a better world. It just, it will be, I, I can see it coming. I'm I'm very, I'm very hopeful about it all. It, in spite of the fact that it's really, it's quite annoying having to deal with these people on the other side. But as, as Preston says, so many, so many great lines. He says, this is really fun because they just make it so easy for us. <laughs> you know, they're so fucking stupid. And they say such ridiculous shit that it's just like, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like playing tennis with a six-year-old. You know, I mean, you can just, you know, you're just you're serving to them and you just know they can't get it because they're fucking <laughs> awful. You know, and, I mean, and that, and that really is true. I mean, you know, they're making unforced errors. I mean, Janet Yellen was on CBS um, Meet the Press, like right before when, when Silicon Valley Bank failed. She was she was on the Sunday morning show. She says Dodd-Frank provides that we are not going to bail out the banks. Six hours later, six hours later, they bailed out the banks. She said it's not a bailout, which, of course, is a lie. Right? I mean, you know, and, and then, I mean, then then uh, with Credit Suisse, a week later, Credit Suisse is failing. And on Sunday night, every single central bank in the world comes out and says, unlimited swap lines, you know, and then, and I mean, you got guys like Neil Kashkari, you've seen this on Twitter. I love this quote. It said, the Federal Reserve has an unlimited amount of money, an unlimited amount of cash, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Go figure. Yeah, your, your mind wants to explode, right? <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and so... You know, they're just they're they're making they're making it easy for us. I mean, having said that, you know, uh, it, it like I say, I, you know, because I mean, I, I wish I were 30 because then I, you know, I get to see it all play out and I'd live nicely on the other side of it. I mean, at, at 65, you know, I recognize that, you know, I'd like it to play out sooner rather than later, because I don't want my kids to be living in this dystopian world that we're in right now. I know that once we get to the other side, it will be a better situation. So
0: yeah no doubt about it no doubt about it uh and i love your hopefulness and i think it's lazy to be cynical and pessimistic because it's easy you know well, uh, Yeah, and, it's, you and, know it's and, you know
1: what it arguably psychiatrists psychologists actually say it's more realistic
0: oh it honest, is it, and it, it and actually because, is yeah and safer because if you see the stick right. and you're scared it's a snake it's safer to assume it might be a snake that's right know, that's
1: course. right but but you know, fuck that shit. I mean, I you know, I mean, let's 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 live. I mean, let's you know, let's live. <laughs> let's have fun. You know, let's. I mean, I view this as a this is a battle. This is a spiritual war with a bunch of evil people. And this, you know, by the way, this 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 war has been played out for thousands of years. I mean, just read history, yeah. and you'll see. I mean, this is you know, they, I mean, Bitcoiners have strains of William Wallace flowing through their blood. Oh, I mean, they really do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, mean, just yeah. Completely, like. You know, I don't care. You know, draw and quarter me. I don't give a shit. I mean, Matt <laughs> O'Dell, you think he gives a shit what the fucking government says or does to him? He <laughs> couldn't give two fucking rats asses. I mean, you know, and and I, and I think I think most Bitcoiners feel that way.
0: Yeah. You know? Oh, so. uh, look, as Malice says, it's the hill I'll die on, uh, and I'm with him, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and on that Malice thing, I'm speaking, the culture wars and all of this rubbish, the... Um, I saw this great meme the other day and it just compared. We had on one side, with all her rah, rah and noise and carry on and PR team. Yeah. And then on the other side, there was this guy, sim- oh, a little older, but not far off, who has invented, not invented, who has worked with some microbe that eats plastic. Huh. Right. So it's a live thing. So this man is quietly unheard of, Nobody knows his name, and he's building stuff, and he's creating stuff, and he's How great is stuff that? that changes the world. And this yeah. is the difference. You can have AOC with all her noise and rara, and Mellers, meanwhile is building out, you know, yeah, uh, on yeah. the Lightning Network. And you've you've got these quiet builders, and it's quiet for the moment. And then it just and then suddenly the internet is everywhere, and you go, where did this come from?
1: Right, and it's well, that, taken and over that's the, the thing and that's and that's how you know what what I what I caution people and say is you know we haven't seen I mean this is a big fourth turning and it's a, a big social change we haven't seen one of these with the technology that we've got today yeah right in other words right so, so think of Silicon Valley Bank statistics that blew my mind 42 billion dollars exited that bank in one day I mean holy crap that's a lot of money and a hundred billion I was told 100 billion were called for the next day total deposits were only 200 billion dollars I mean yeah. to Hemingway's, you know, I went bankrupt slowly than all at once. I mean, when this really gets rolling, I mean, when, you know, when the tipping point gets hit, right. When that, oh my God, these fiat currencies are actually worthless. They are totally and completely worthless. I have got to get out of these as fast as I possibly can. When that tipping point gets hit, look out because the exits are going to be extremely crowded and you know bitcoin's going to be on its way from 2 million to 10 million and gold yeah. will be at 10,000 going to 20,000 i mean it's you know there there will not be enough of this sound money alternative stuff and 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 we're such early days i mean bitcoin's worth 500 billion dollars of value today i mean there's 35 trillion dollars of us stock market value 35 trillion against yeah. 500 billion i mean you know and 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 there's there's probably 400 trillion of fiat assets in the world and, you know, there's probably three or four trillion of tradable gold and 500 billion of tradable Bitcoin. I mean, what happens when all of those fiat assets, all of those bonds, all of those stocks, you know, when all those people say, hey, you know what, this inflation's eating me alive. I need to own sound stuff. I mean, it's going to come chasing our stuff and they're not going to be more than 21 million. You know, I mean, the gold gold grows, but only at one point seven percent a year. So, I mean, it's it's yeah. going to get crowded. And so, you know, and and at that point in time their currency will have failed. It will be, you know, the U.S. will be like Venezuela or like Weimar Germany. And I, I sincerely, I mean, people think I'm extreme when I say that. But frankly, just doing the analysis, it's really the only logical conclusion one can come to. I mean, Preston comes to the same conclusion. He's an engineer. He comes at it from an engineering point of view. And we yeah. we completely, we share notes on this. We completely agree on this thought. I mean, you know, it's, how else do you, where else can it go? I mean, it's, it's, it's literally you know when when you see the second derivative starting to go straight up i mean there's a great chart on the on the on twitter people the the us interest expense right us federal yep. government interest expense that thing is heading straight up yeah yeah and, and and they're raising rates so it's only going to get worse and the yep. debt is getting larger and i mean you know this is this is you know james lavish this is this is the death cycle this is the a debt trap and yep. you can't get out of this i mean you just can't and and the end point is you know the end point is either you let the entire economy collapse because you have not printed enough money and everybody is massively going bankruptcy and that's what happened in the 30s through 39 or you print to address it but the print has to be so large that everyone loses confidence in your ability to control it which they've already started to do Yeah, i mean you know and 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 so the fed balance sheet goes to 25 trillion then it goes to 50 then it goes to 100 you know gasoline's 100 dollars a gallon and i mean and and pretty soon you know the economy just plain doesn't function because the money is is so hopelessly broken that nobody can price anything. I mean, I I think right now all prices are are are, are wrong, yeah. and and the reason is they broke the money, they fundamentally broke the money when they sent interest rates at zero from 09 to twenty fifteen. That was a crime. It was an yeah. absolute crime against the monetary system. That and that kicked it off, and so everybody thought that would continue. They got totally levered up. And and now they're trying to reverse it, and you know, and then COVID came along, and they printed more money than they'd ever printed, and now they're trying to reverse that. Now they're trying to slam on the brakes, and you know, they're they're going to crash this car. I mean, this, this car is this car is going to crash.
0: And I think perhaps one of their Achilles' heels is that they underestimate the general public. I saw what happened. You know, I was in the supermarket at one stage uh, when we were doing the queues, when there were the shortages of toilet paper and all of that stuff. Yeah. And so there were long queues and I'm chatting with the guy next to me and we're both scrolling through our phones to bide the time. And I'm like, what are you reading? And he goes, oh, I'm reading about gold. I want to invest <laughs> in gold. This yeah. was, a, you know, this was 2020. Right. And, you know, and, and hopefully next time around, that's going to be gold and Bitcoin. So, yeah, if, yeah. so if we had uh, and also you know I also saw it at the protests here in Melbourne um the uh the understanding of what was going on the exposure of mainstream media not talk not telling the truth being mouthpieces being propaganda for the government not exposing and you've got Joe Rogan who's got 11 million followers subscribers you know listening to his programs yeah. hearing the decentralization as you said, is our saving grace um, and it can't be controlled and people are more with it than the government gives them um, uh, credit for. I have conversations with my hairdresser which are smarter than the conversations I have with some corporate folk i work with you know oh
1: absolutely i mean i i have i interact i interact with a lot of kind of blue collar people in my town and the gym i work out at and so forth and these people get it i mean they're stacking silver everyone knows the government's lying everyone knows the government's totally full of shit i mean that's it's that's, that's like it's kind of, like common knowledge yeah i mean you know i mean it's it's i mean you know i mean and so you see like something like rfk comes along and you know he's he's a flawed person but he's 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 saying the right kinds of things and, and the kinds of things that the powers that be don't want him to say. And we just saw that, you know, Biden has said there aren't going to be any debates. Biden's the candidates. That's that's that. I mean, you know, they're just they're, they're right. I mean, what's that all about? So, yeah. you, you know, the the um, people are people are slowly but surely waking up to how broken it is everywhere, yeah. I think.
0: Uh, yeah. One of the really damning pieces, thing, uh, pieces for me was um, Caitlin Long Custodia Bank.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm an investor applied, in the Applied?
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, are you?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're investors right. in the, her company. I've known Caitlin a long time. She's she's fabulous. Yeah, no, no I mean this smart operator. Example.
0: But yeah. but she applied for a full reserve bank. Full reserve Absolutely. bank. And I know there's one other business that's tried to do that too, and they've been banned for something like five years from ever applying for, yeah. for applying again. Like. What is wrong with these yeah, people?
1: Well, it's, yeah. again, I mean, I, the the behind the scenes on that, as I understand it, is that, you know, Jamie Powell was in, you know, um, or, I mean, Jamie Dimon was in uh, Chairman Powell's ear. Right. And they basically shut that down. I mean, yeah, yeah. look, I mean, yeah. she because it's too many people she, would she doesn't it. even have a bank. She doesn't even have a bank. She doesn't really even have a business going yet. And yet yeah. the people who run the system are smart enough to realize what an existential threat she is to their game and that's why they denied her that license. I mean it's 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 stunning. Yeah. It's absolutely stunning. But really you know the, the lines are getting very clearly drawn. And you know it's it's only a matter of time until our side is big enough and loud enough and their side is 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 you know we're we're going to trample them. I mean we're just yeah. going to trample them. So I mean, I, I love the meme that, you know, the, the, they're out standing on a plank and we're all standing on the other end of the plank. All we got to do is step off and they they go, they fall. I mean, you know, the, the elites yes. have all the power. They have a lot of the money and they control a lot of the politics and the and the mouth and the messaging through the media. But, you know, the rest of us, you know, there are a lot more of us. and And the Internet, you know, and the Internet and the decentralization and the communications that we've got now. I mean, look at this video chat we're doing. You know, this message can go out to tons and tons of people and more and more, you know, the scales are falling away from people's eyes and they're just they're coming to the conclusion. This is intolerable. This is absolutely completely and totally intolerable, you know, and, um, you know, and and things are happening that these elites cannot control. I'm sure they don't like, you know, this kind of stuff happening. And uh, but it is. And and it's, you know, they they better wake up and smell the coffee because it's going to happen a lot more. I mean, they they hold a losing you know, they hold a losing set of cards, you know.
0: Yeah. So for the average person wanting to take something useful away from this, in terms of how do I invest? Is it gold? Is it Bitcoin? Is it both? Well, is it, yeah. I, everyone's
1: everyone's situation is different. I mean, I so I you know, and I'm not supposed to legally give investment advice, but I but I I sincerely believe that saving in fiat terms is, is crazy because they're going to debase it we know that so bonds probably are the worst investment on the planet um yeah. you know unless they're incredibly short duration you know like three months six months whatever i mean they're not paying you four or five percent for those but um <clears throat> beyond that you want something that the government can't print and you want something that the government's not going to tax heavily now they're going to probably try to tax everything but real estate kind of qualifies in the sense that, you know, you can't move it very easily and they can tax it, but at least they can't print it. Um, you know, and in in terms of financial assets, the two that stand, the three really that stand above and beyond all the others are the, the money that doesn't have counterparty risk. And that would be Bitcoin number one, gold and silver, number two and three. Um, but you know, you, you, you can't, they can't be printed. Um, they're limited in supply. They've been money in the case of gold and silver for 5,000 years, case of Bitcoin for 14 going on 15 years. And, um, you know, to me, these are the most asymmetric bets ever. And I think, you know, it's look, I think I think 10 years from now, people are going to be saying you own a full coin. What are you kidding me? How the hell did you get a full coin? Right. I mean, because a full coin is going to be worth a million dollars. Right. Yeah. And and so, you know, for thirty thousand dollars today, you can buy a million dollar full coin and you know, it will be a million dollars plus in 10 years, maybe maybe more. Yeah. And so to me, this is this is a no brainer asymmetric trade. And I try and convince all my clients that the only wrong allocation of Bitcoin is zero. You know, obviously it goes up and down. And, you know, I've had clients who bought it at 68,000, watch it go to 15, and they call and they complain. And I say, well, you didn't do what I told you to do, right? Which is, the, you know, dollar cost average. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, I'm a partner with Swan, and we, we, we support Swan in a big way, and they do a great job. And, you know, I just, every week I buy Bitcoin. I probably should do it every day, but I just, you know whatever, but I've got it, I've got it set up. It just auto debits my bank account every week. I buy more Bitcoin. So I bought it at 68. I bought it at 16. I'm buying it at 28 or 29, whatever it is right now. And, and I think that, you know, you save in terms of a money that will hold its value or appreciate in value on a relative basis. And in my opinion, there's no doubt that that's what will happen to this, to this form of money. And so, um, you know, and, and, and that's why I also think that, you know, ultimately Bitcoiners will have a ton of power because, if you really think about all of that money that's fiat squeezing into this small 21 million coin asset base, these coins, I mean, you know, they're going to 10 million a pop. I mean, so, you know, imagine what your life is going to look like when, you know, and now admittedly gasoline might be a hundred dollars, but, but the point is imagine what your life is going to look like when, when your savings have appreciated as much as we're talking about here. Mm. Um, Gold is going to work too, but not to the same degree. And the reason for that is that gold's widely distributed right now. I mean, Bitcoin's got two things going on for it. It's it's a sound money. It's it's digital sound money. Gold's analog sound money. But Bitcoin is also on an adoption curve. So Bitcoin's like the internet in 1995, right? Or six or seven. And you just, you know, not everyone knows what it is. Not everyone's involved. But guess what? They're going to know. And they're going to get involved. You know, yeah. when it goes to 100 grand again, You watch, I mean, I think Max is right. We're probably gonna go to 200 on the next run, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, and then
1: we'll probably correct back to 40, you Mm -hmm. know, because that's the pattern. It tends to do a five X up and then correct 60 or 70%. We'll do another five X and, you know, the 40 will go up to, you know, I don't know, 800, something like that, and we'll correct again. And I mean, it's as Jeff says, in, in Bitcoin terms, the price of everything will be going down in Bitcoin terms forever, forever and and i I strongly believe that. Um, and so you know, you can decide to get involved now or you can wait until you have to pay more for it. But, um, you know, I, I don't see a sounder currency on a stock to flow basis. Yeah, And so you know to me, it's it's really it's it's really quite simple. I mean i and and I say I say this compared to stocks, you know, so many of us have been reduced to trying to pick stocks to protect our purchasing power. The beautiful thing about Bitcoin is there's no management team. I mean, you just—it's just a protocol. It's just a mathematical protocol. I mean, yeah, you've got some core developers, but, but in in, in essence, the thing's not going to change because everyone's agreed that to do so would be dangerous. And so, as a result, you know, it's just going to continue forming a block every ten minutes, and they're going to get more and more valuable. So, to me, it's it's like you know, you could be an artist, you could be you know a singer, you could be anything, and you got one simple investment decision. Saving in Bitcoin and, you know, your your kids and grandkids will thank you. That's that's kind of the way I see it. Yeah. So
0: it's, and it's not you're right. It's not just for the kids, as Foss would say. It's for the grandkids. It's for the great grandkids. Oh, absolutely. There'll be generational
1: wealth as a result of this. And of course, yeah. some people will be claiming that's unfair. And, you know, and look, there's going to be countermeasures. I mean, don't kid yourself. I mean, I think they're going to probably yeah. something today where they were talking about. <laughs> Excuse me. do you
0: need some water Make, please grab some water no
1: i'm good making making people report their you know their holdings yeah. and there's a possibility they're going to try and heavily tax it but you know look if you really think big picture i think nation states big powerful nation states are going to lose a lot of their power and there's good there's just decentralization as a trend in my opinion it's going to go on for years yeah why do we need we, it's it's one
0: we, of those, um, Mark Moss talks about it as one of those macro cycles. It yeah, it really is. Centralization yeah. to decentralization. I mean, why
1: why do we really need big governments? I mean, what, what was the you know, what was the point? I mean, you know, I mean, I get it. I get it, we had it, and you know, and because you know, we, we had madmen get control of them. It was good we had, you know, good people who were willing to fight the madmen, but but I guess the point is, you know, why can't we just get into much much smaller, more decentralized government structure? Yeah, you know, I've and just I,
0: written I, an article actually that uh, Looking Glass Education have just right. uploaded on Bitcoin and Libertarianism.
1: Yeah, exactly. All I mean, about you know, small
0: government. Looking yeah.
1: Glass is fabulous. I mean, Greg has done so many great things for the space. He really is a fabulous ambassador, and the fact that he puts his own time and money into Looking Glass to educate people is just, you know, he's a credit. He's a credit to all Bitcoiners. So, look, and, and
0: that's true. You know, I mean, the generosity I was saying before to you about the folk who have. Lent their time so generously uh, yeah. to this program. And I'm nobody and nobody's heard of me. And Jeff Booth reached out to me. I hadn't, I didn't even try to reach out to him. Wow. He just That's saw right. that I was following him and said, oh, and he goes, sorry, I haven't been in contact. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Right? I, I didn't no, I know say. It. no, I mean, I know. It. I mean, he, he, and, and I've been on trips with these guys, Amazing. he and Greg fly at the ends of the earth to talk about Bitcoin. And I try to do the same. I mean, and, and again, it's just because once you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yes. And you know, That's- we're all, we're all going to leave a legacy and, you know, I'd like my legacy to be, you know, that guy fought for sound money, which, you know, was, I mean, it was, you know, we were on the right side of this whole thing. I mean, I, a comparable situation in America. I mean, it's not widely known around the world. Right? It is somewhat, but it was the American Revolution? I mean, there were a lot of people in America who were loyalists, right? Who sided with the British. Yeah. You know, and 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 yet there was a very small hardcore group of pissed off Americans who just said, "No, we're not going to take this shit. You know, yeah. we're 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 going to fight back." And we know they're the biggest, most powerful country in the world, and we know they've got a navy and wealth is blah 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 blah. We still don't, we don't give a shit. We're still going to fight them, and and to me. Because what we, you know, these documents that we've drafted here, these are, you know, these are right. Well, the, at the time, they just had the declaration, but, but it was the fundamental, you know, case. And, and I, think, I think that's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's perhaps a bit hyperbolic, but not entirely. I mean, I think that's kind of what the Bitcoiners are saying is that, look, you know, we know that this Keynesian financial model that you guys have built to benefit yourself, we know this is wrong and we know that it's unfair. It's very clear. The evidence is black and white, clear cut. And as a result of it, you know, we've created this alternative system based on math and absolute truth and fairness. And, um, you know, we're going to push it and we're going to advocate for it. And guess what? The world is going to adopt this system and they're going to throw your system out. And, you know, and that's, that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what it's, it's great. It's just absolutely great. And
0: it's so,
1: and it's so hopeful. I mean, it's why yes. when you're with Bitcoiners, I mean, yeah, you know, look, these people piss us off, but in general, we're positive, optimistic, and hopeful because there is a way out. And I've, I've spoken to many people who are like, "I was so depressed until yes. I, I saw Bitcoin." And and by the way, you know, I see it in I see it in gold too. I mean, you know, the gold people have been fighting this battle for thirty years, unsuccessfully, mm-hmm. by the way, because they've managed to suppress the price of gold. Yeah. And you know, as a gold bug, I can honestly say, when the Bitcoiners came along, I was like, "Hey, this is great reinforcements." I mean, we got really good reinforcements and safe wrote that book. And we got 30 year olds quoting von Mises. And, you know, I mean, we got a bunch of pissed off people carrying spears. We're going to run up and take that castle. You know, I mean, we were trying to take that castle as gold guys. But, you know, frankly, we're getting kind of tired. And, you know, and I go to gold conferences, a bunch of old, tired, pissed off people. Yeah, I go to Bitcoin conferences. I got all these young, fired up, you know, we're going to win kind of people. It's great. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you no, know, so, you
1: know, really, I love it. It's like it's like new energy. It's like I got a second lease on life, you know. So and, and much all, the we're same. all fighting the same fight. You know, we are all fighting the same fight, and and I'm I'm happy to see most Bitcoiners have come to the point where they grudgingly, at least, respect gold people, yes. understand understand that you know we were the OGs of sound money. You know, we it was all we had until Bitcoin came along. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, am I going to see you at the uh, Miami? Am I gonna say? I'll Miami? be
1: in Miami. Are you gonna be there? Yeah. I'm yeah.
0: gonna be there. I'm flying I'm, in from Melbourne.
1: Yeah. Oh, awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> and I and I I understand it. There's something going on in Australia in April of 2024. You coming? Foss, I'm thinking about it. I'm I'm thinking very seriously. Foss said he might go. And if Foss goes, I'll probably go. Great. So, do yeah, it. Well,
0: Please do it. Bitcoin Alive. We yeah. just had the first one here in Sydney only was two, it? three weeks ago. It rocked. It was so awesome. It was, it was, you know what it was? It was like Miami, except many of the speakers you haven't heard before. Sure. Uh, and so, and there's some really genuinely, not only, I think Australia is actually punching above its way in terms of oh, I believe the Bitcoin it. No, I, community. I, on Twitter, I on see here. it. There's,
1: this great Australian representation on Twitter. I love it. Love it.
0: Really yeah. and truly. And there was some awesome knowledge and insight coming from the stage and some interesting and different angles that okay. I don't hear commonly. I would really recommend it. And it would be yeah, awesome I'll try. to have you there. Yeah.
1: Hey, Carrie, I'm, I'm getting the hook. We've here. got, a, about, we've got, got a, a, I was minute looking 20, towards to 20. Up. I'm sorry. I got to, I got to, I got to wrap, but we'll do it again. And I'll, I'll look forward to meeting you in Miami.
0: I will absolutely love that. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining Thank me. Thank you.
1: It's an honor to be with you. Take care. See you. Be well. Bye.
0: Yeah.